Hello, thanks for joining LTC NAC Chat, a podcast brought to you by the American Association of Nurse Assessment Coordination, ANAC. I'm your host, Rebecca, and I'm here with Jessie McGill, Curriculum Development Specialist with ANAC, to review some of the questions she's received following ANAC's recent webinar on the draft technical specifications. Welcome, Jessie. Hi, Rebecca. I'm so excited to be here. We're excited to have you. Thank you, Jessie. On February 19th, you spoke as the subject matter expert on ANEX Breaking News webinar and identified what these updates tell us about the new patient-driven payment model, PDPM. You received nearly 100 questions during the webinar. I understand that many of the questions focused around the new interim payment assessment. Would you be able to answer a few more questions today for our audience? Oh, I would love to. You know, before we get into the questions, I just want to give a real high-level overview for our audience today. And first is the interim payment assessment, also referred to as the IPA, is an optional assessment. It's not required. And CMS has really stressed that the facility staff can determine when and whether this assessment should be scheduled. Okay, so with that, let's take the first question. Sure thing, Jesse. Here's the first question. For the IPA, how will Section GG information be gathered? Oh, that's a great one. So we're actually going to have a new column added to section GG, and it's column number five, and it's the interim performance period. Essentially what this is is a new three-day window to collect section GG information, and it's only for the GG items that are used for the OTPT and nursing function scores. So you have a new three-day window, which is the ARD of your IPA, and the two previous calendar days. So knowing that you need information across those three days tells us that as we move into preparing for PDPM, we, we have to establish a process of how we're going to schedule our IPAs and how we're going to work with the entire team to collect the data to code the section GG items for the IPA assessment. This is going to take a lot of collaboration among your IDT, but you know, same collaboration that we're doing now for section GG on admission and on discharge, we now just have to work together again for that interim performance period data collection. Thank you, Jesse. That's very helpful. Do you know if an IPA and an OBRA significant change in status assessment can be combined? Oh, we did just we just found this out, and it was kind of surprising to me. CMS posted a frequently asked document or fre frequently asked questions document on the PDPM homepage. Uh, it was just in the middle of February that they updated this document, and that clarified that the IPA cannot be combined with any other assessment. Cannot be combined with other Medicare PPS assessments, and it cannot be combined with OBRA. Uh, assessments. So it will always be a standalone PPS assessment. Very good to know. Here's another question from our audience. Will the IPA be completed with a significant change assessment? You know, Rebecca, as we just discussed, the IPA cannot be combined with other assessments, but you can complete the IPA and the significant change separately with the same ARD. Now, First, it's so important to understand that the OBRA rules have not changed. So admission, quarterly, annual, significant correction, significant change, your OBRA discharge and your OBRA entry, all of those rules under OBRA have not changed and they don't look like they're going to change under PDPM. So if a resident meets the criteria of a significant change in status assessment from Chapter 2 of the REI, we still have to complete it. However, a significant change will not change the Medicare rate 
under PDPM. Only an IPA can change the rate after the five-day assessment. So you may have situations where significant change criteria has been met and it must be completed for your Medicare resident. And you may determine as a facility that the IPA should be done because the payment's going to increase, or you may decide that the IPA is not needed. But it is really important to, to understand that an IPA cannot replace the need of a significant change. They are completely separate and cannot be considered interchangeable. Thank you, Jesse. So important. Here's another question from our audience. Can more than one IPA be completed for the same resident during the Medicare stay? Yes, there's actually no limit on to how many IPAs you can complete. Again, it's up to the facility on when and whether to complete the IPA. The only time that you actually couldn't complete the IPA is before the five-day. So the orders of your assessment should be five-day IPA or additional IPAs and your PPS discharge. Thank you, Jesse. Are you currently an experienced RACCT professional looking to take your reimbursement expertise to the next level? Then the RACCTA Advanced Certification may be just the program for you. Available for registration in April 2019, the RACCTA programs will be offered as a three-day workshop or 10-course online program. Learn more by visiting www.anac.org forward slash education forward slash RAC CTA. Another webinar attendee asked the question, Section O of the IPA assessment does not include therapy. It is my understanding if a resident has cognitive impairment or swallowing impairment and receives speech therapy, the reimbursement is significant. How can this be captured if therapy minutes are not included on the IPA? Oh, this is a great question, and it really looks at the details of what impacts each of the components. So the member is correct. For the speech component, swallowing problems, cognition, mechanically altered diet, these are all items that can impact the SLP or that speech language pathology component under PDPM. However, it's really important to understand that the rate for the PT, OT, and speech is not determined by services provided. So each Medicare resident is going to receive a rate for all five of the case mix components under PDPM. So regardless of what therapy services they're receiving or if they're even just skilled for nursing only, they're still going to receive that case mix group and rate component for all five components. So it's not determined on whether or not the resident receives therapy. It's only determined by the resident characteristics. And those characteristics are predictive of a resident's need for different types of therapy. So unlike RUGS, which is based on the provision of therapy, PDPM isn't. So if you complete an IPA for this resident and capture those changes in cognition and the problems in swallowing, this will impact the rate on the IPA assessment and it will impact the rate whether or not the resident is receiving speech therapy. And that's why the minutes are not included on the IPA because therapy minutes are not a consideration for the rate under PDPM. That's great information, Jesse. Thank you. I think we have time for one more question today. What are some reasons you would do an IPA? Oh, this is such a great question and one we hear so frequently. You know, CMS has clarified that the IPA is optional and 
that the facility determines when and whether to complete. But those instructions are so vague that we frequently see the question of, when would I actually complete this? Now, if I go to the very name of the assessment, which is the interim payment assessment, that tells me that the purpose of this assessment is to change the payment. And since it's optional, most facilities will only opt to complete the IPA if the rate is going to change in favor of the facility or increase. But the important thing to realize is that the PDPM payment system is very complex and you have your five different case mix components. So if you are expecting some changes in one area that are going to increase payment, you also have to look at those things that are going to um, that you capture on your five day that you're no longer able to capture. Um, for example, maybe the resident had swallowing problems on the five day, but with interventions, those have now been resolved and they're not going to be captured on the IPA. And we have to look at what that's going to do to the different components of the rate and look at that overall rate. But if I just ask, answer the question of what are some of the items that I might want to consider doing an IPA for, um, a few things that come to mind is a resident who's newly receiving IV medications, a resident that is placed on isolation, a resident who was dependent in most of their functional score items, but now say a weight bearing status has been lifted and they're able to participate a bunch more. This can really impact the different components of your PDPM rate. And I'm not going to say, yes, you need to do an IPA in these situations, but what I want to say is, Whenever you have these changes, the NAC will really need to sit down and review and analyze how this will impact each of the items within the PDPM component, how it impacts OT, PT, speech, nursing, and the NTA component, because some of them may go down and some of them may go up, and then looking at that overall rate to see if it warrants the need for an IPA to capture that change in payment. And I know that was a long answer, Rebecca, but I hope that really captured that it's it's really up to us as, as the NAC, as the facility, to determine when to do that assessment. That's great information, Jesse. Thank you. Is there anything else our audience needs to know about the IPA before we wrap up today's session? Oh, just a really quick message on a very special IPA that we'll be required to do. And I know I just said the IPA is optional, but there is a required transitional or changeover IPA for the transition between RUGS4 and PDPM. So essentially, any resident who started their Medicare state prior to October 1st and will continue on through any October days will require an, a transitional or a changeover IPA. This changeover IPA must have an ARD that's set between October 1st and October 7th. And regardless of the ARD that you select for this changeover IPA, your payment will start on 10-1. And your variable per diem will also start on 10-1 for any residents that cross over. They started their Medicare state before October and they're going to continue into October. Every single one of those residents will, will start their variable per diem on 10-1 also. So get ready and prepare to do that changeover IPA. IPA for all Medicare residents and the purpose of that changeover assessment is to establish a HIPS code under PDPM so that you have the ability to get paid starting 10-1 and I think you know we're all getting ready and preparing for October 1st and we have to all understand what's on that IPA assessment that we want to have our processes in place to collect the section GG interim functional status assessment data as well as making sure we have our diagnoses in place for all of those different comorbidities that are used across PDPM. Thank you so much Jesse.
Listeners, thank you for joining LTC NAC chat today. If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit the subscribe button so that you never miss a future update. If you missed the ANAC webinar, please visit ANAC.org to find the recorded webinar, which is available on the ANAC homepage under the Products tab. Thank you for listening and have a great day.